0: Welcome to The Friday Habit with Mark Labriola and Benjamin Manley. The Friday Habit is for small business owners, freelancers, and creatives who are ready to take their business to the next level. Join us as we discover how to apply the strategies we learn to grow our businesses, make more money, and live every day like it's Friday. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Really good. How are you doing? Uh, well, thank you for asking. I'm also doing well. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I'm excited for our guest today. So uh, today we have an interview uh, with somebody that you know, and her name is Amy Hardison-White, and she has been in the startup world since before the bubble And all you iGens maybe not know what that means, but uh, she has a background in copywriting and content marketing, and her focus today is helping accounting startups and payment providers acquire new users with targeted content strategy. Amy, welcome to The Friday Habit.
1: Welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, Amy.
2: I have my Hawaiian shirt on for Friday.
1: I like that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's a
0: bright, bright shirt. I've got my Friday Live Every Day Like It's Friday shirt on. Yeah. Oh,
1: nice. Hey, uh, yeah, we need to add those to the store uh, on the on the website so you guys can get some Live Every Day Like It's Friday t-shirts. That's right. Yeah, totally.
0: Well, yeah, hey, I, I got an
1: icebreaker question for you.
0: Would you guys rather uh, go camping or go on a cruise?
2: Oh, definitely a cruise. <laughs> I'm not a camping person.
1: Okay. <laughs> Are you a cruise person? I've never been on a cruise. No.
2: No, but I don't want to go camping.
1: (laughs) I'm just mostly avoiding my worst fear, which is being outside with no walls around me.
2: Glamping is fine. I have done that.
1: Okay. Got it. What's your definition? What do you imagine camping being versus glamping?
2: Uh, doing (laughs) Doing all the stuff myself. Okay. Like putting up the tent. Yeah, not cooking the food. And uh, (laughs) we went on a safari in Africa where it's all glamping. Okay, so someone
0: does all this stuff for you. Yeah,
2: yeah, there's a bed in your tent. There's sometimes there's a shower in your tent. Like, it's just it's amazing.
1: Do you mind if I ask what, what country?
2: Uh, that was in Tanzania.
1: Okay. Awesome. I went to yeah. Kenya at one time and did something similar and it was amazing. Oh, cool. Like all the food prep for you. The funny thing is, I don't know if this is like this with you, but they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, there's hippos in the river nearby. So there's going to be 24 hour guards around. And if you need to go to the bathroom, you need to call a guard with a walkie talkie and they will escort you with a spear to the bathroom in the middle of the night. <laughs> so the hippos don't kill you.
2: We had a thing, uh, with, a. Let's see. It wasn't exactly that, but you couldn't leave the tent at night. So if you needed to leave or you had an emergency, you had a whistle. (laughs) Oh, blew the whistle Uh. because you can hear all these animals and you don't know how close to you they are they could be five miles away they could be right next to you you know
1: there's like cheetahs wandering around technically it's probably just some guys out there rustling around some bags (laughs) and clothes to make it seem more authentic (laughs) you know there's like no wildlife anywhere just like no but no that's that's awesome i kind of get what you're saying so glamping's okay camping not so much i would man i go camping all the time so I, I love camping and I don't even know what a cruise is like. I've never hmm. been on a cruise. It, it sounds kind of awesome, but I'm also like, you're like trapped on a boat. Yeah. It's like a floating hotel and it seems like you're kind of trapped with like a ton of people. And now, especially with COVID, I'm like a little more aware now of like yeah. being like in a place with like trapped with that many people. And I know people sometimes get sick on cruises
0: or you're just on a giant floating septic tank. You know, it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, <there's laughs> <one way." laughs> it's just like, okay, there's like 3000 people and everything is just, you know, in the bottom of that ship. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I love camping. Uh, uh, but I have also never been on a cruise, so I'm judging. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of yeah. like messages yeah. from cruise people who are like, "How dare you hate? Hate on the cruise industry? It's amazing." So, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, yeah, I, I guess
1: I don't like it till you try it. So That's maybe right. We should try it first. Yeah. Hey,
0: maybe we could have the next Friday habit, uh, you know, meet up on a a, a cruise. <laughs> there you go. Or I mean, maybe
1: maybe we could combine them.
2: Yeah, it's more fun if there's like a you know a group thing that you're doing with it. I did. A swing dance cruise. Oh, once. that's And it was cool. like, there were 500 of the 2000 people on the cruise were with the group. Wow. And, um, there were like 50 instructors and there were all kinds of parties. So it was like a cruise plus these people that you already know.
0: Okay. That sounds kind of fun. And then yeah. as long as you don't think that you're like, could Titanic and, and all, yeah. all be lost. Like, I guess if you just
1: pretend like you're just at a hotel and
0: everything's normal, then you don't have any problems.
1: <laughs> that does sound fun. I, I just want to combine camping and cruising. I don't know what that would be. Maybe that's camping on an Island or maybe that's camping on a floating. I don't know what that would be. All right, sorry, I killed the conversation. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. I was like, yeah, I'm not sure where you're going with this one. So, Amy,
0: <laughs> I I want to kind of hear uh, your little bit of your origin story about you know how you got started. Obviously, in the early 2000s um, or late 90s, as I can attest to the bubble. I didn't care much about the bubble when when it happened. Um, but uh, but yeah, tell me a little bit about how you got kind of into the industry that you're in and and kind of where you got started.
2: Sure, it's kind of a long roundabout story. Okay,
0: I like long roundabout stories and we have no time limit for this show, so <laughs> take us on a journey.
2: So, um, yeah, I was definitely in the bubble. So, um, I graduated from college in the late 90s and, you know, if you were working then, like it was really easy to get a job then. Mm. Um, and I my first job was with a startup um that was one of the first SaaS platforms, like when there was no word for SaaS. Uh, and there, I think I was like the sixth employee or something like that. And so the company did um, consulting for really large institutional investors, and they would go out and find targets for investing. Like if you were the investor relations office at a public company, you would be looking for people to invest in your company and different. And it would depend on your industry and where you were located. And so they did that as a consulting service, and they said to themselves why not take all this data and put it on the internet and sell it as a subscription so people can do this targeting Mm. themselves instead of our consulting service? And so I started working when they were in the process of doing that. And I, I did the research side of it, like calling the people who are investors and verifying information and everything. And then when they went to launch it, I was like, hey, I'm the only one here who... That you're gonna put on the sales side who knows all about the product and the research side. So I should talk to the customers first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happened then was they put out a press release and I had two weeks of voicemail messages <laughs> to respond to to do like a demo when when nobody really did demos because we didn't know what they were. <laughs> right. right. Um, so I was in like this, in the room I am now, it's about the same size, and uh, there were like four sales guys on this wall three sales guys on that wall and me and all of us, you know, I'm talking to all these people and then passing them on to them. And it was just like, wow, this is working. <laughs>
1: oh, That's awesome. So it was like taking that service you have and like, oh, you know, maybe we make this data available to everybody else and then we'll, let's see what happens. And it actually took yeah,
2: off. Yeah. Yeah. But we, nobody had any idea what we were doing. Right. Like, was it just me? Yeah. All these guys were salespeople and entrepreneurs, but
1: yeah.
2: um, they'd never done anything like this.
0: You just fake it until you make it.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, like, through the course of the growth of that company, I started running their customer service department. And so, um, like your previous guest, I was running a group of, like, 15 people when I was 23 with no management experience. Mm. And that was nuts and a trial by fire and made me just never want to do it again. (laughs) Because I was like, wow, this is so much harder than I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, yeah, so I ended up, you know, and and y'all know what happened in 2000 when, um, you know, the economy bottomed out Mm -hmm. and everything. And so I ended up deciding like, Hey, I'm, I'm 25 and I could go anywhere at this point in time and just started looking into different places. And Austin was on the list and I knew a couple of people here and a couple of clients that I could come and work for. But, um, I happened to be driving here on September 11th. Oh, geez. So, yeah. So then you get somewhere and it's like, okay. so there's there's no jobs. And I just set this arbitrary deadline of I need to get a job in six months or I'll just go home and start over, Mm -hmm. which was no big deal then. Maybe not so great now. Yeah. Um, (laughs)
0: Life's a lot different when you're in your mid 20s.
2: I know. I know. And so I ended up like applying for jobs and like putting a suit on and picking a day of the week and going into these places and trying to get somebody to talk to me, which as you guys probably know, doesn't work, but somebody did. Uh And so that's how I got a job here. And I just got involved in the tech scene here in like account management and customer service. And I ended up working for a company called Bizarre Voice that um, did ratings and reviews software before that was a thing. So like. 2004, 2005, Timeline, Amazon, Zappos, New Egg, those were the only companies that had ratings and reviews right. on their websites. And around that time, this iframe technology, which is, you know, of course, old now, right. uh, became available so that you could inject code onto someone else's website. And so that made a way for for their product to be developed and for us to sell like a ratings and reviews platform oh, yeah. to other companies. And um, so I worked there through the go public of that company, which was fantastic and a huge learning experience. And then afterwards, we had this this like network effect, kind of like the PayPal mafia. You know, all those people have gone and like started their own companies. Yeah, Elon Musk. Um, Well, the same thing happened with Bizarre Voice. People made money on the company going public and they left and they started their own thing or they, you know, went and went on to different roles. Mm. And so I was able to use that network to start my own business in copywriting and content marketing. Oh, wow! And the way I got into like, I focus on accounting startups mainly. And honestly, I got into that kind of by accident because the first SaaS company that I got connected with here in Austin was an invoicing company that does like accounts receivable software. And they were two guys in an office who were like, we've got to, we got this one blog post and it did really well. How do we do it again? We got to get somebody to do this for us. So I started writing for them mm. and they, unlike most of the companies that you work with, they gave me a byline. And so all of their competitors are all looking at each other and what they're all doing. And they found me and be like, hey, do you want to write for us, you know, for this similar type of company? So I got into, you know, accounting, accounting software, accounts receivable, accounts payable, invoicing. And I've done that for the last like five or six years. And what I started noticing is that a lot of people struggle with what do they talk about Mm -hmm. and like, how do they come up with a plan and how do they talk to their customers in a way that's going to want to, you know, build trust and increase engagement and increase conversion. And a lot of them are just going, okay, it's, it's Monday. What do I write about now? You know? Yeah. Um, So that's when I started thinking about, okay, content strategy, like helping these companies figure out what their why is and who their target audience is and where those people are and what's going to resonate with them to increase their customer base.
0: So when you were working for that uh, review company and it got uh, it went public, did you get laid off or did the company like Mm -mm. like you just kind of continued to work for them and then. I mean, at what point did you kind of like go freelance, like writing and and kind of doing your own thing?
2: Yeah, that was a couple years after I left. Actually, I did. You know, our our team was eliminated. That's right. I forgot about that. (laughs) Sorry for bringing that up. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. It was actually it was a good thing. I was I was trying to take a sabbatical anyway, and so oh, okay. it became a paid sabbatical. You oh, know? that's
1: nice. Good timing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I left there um, and I, I had had my daughter at this point. And so I was kind of experimenting with like different ways to work that were more flexible. And, you know, as anybody who's been in account management or customer service and is listening to this knows, like, that's not a job that you can really do freelance like they want you there and they want you available all the time and you need to be they need to be able to call you or email you or whatever. Right. So I, I had a couple of short stints in other environments and realized um, that that wasn't necessarily going to work. And I had a friend who was a mommy blogger and, you know, I was talking to her about that and was thinking maybe I could try out writing. And, you know, start getting some samples or something on one of these mommy blogs Mm -hmm. and then go from there. And that's, that's pretty much what I did. I remember there are a couple of them around here that are local. And I contacted her editor and said, can I write a few pieces for you? And then I put them on Facebook and I didn't realize that a friend of mine worked at a marketing agency. Mm -hmm. And she was like, we need to talk to you because you can write and our writers can't." And so it all, you know, it all kind of started from there. And then it was like, a timeline of about a year where I was like okay I'm going to try this and see if I can make money doing it like right. maybe I can maybe I can't let's let's just see um,
1: at, yeah. At that point, what kind of different writing were you doing? Was it just like kind of everything you're like, I'll take on any type of freelance writing job or? Yeah.
2: At the beginning, I think that's what everybody does. Yes, hundred percent. you, know? you yeah, just go same. in and you're like, somebody hire me. Yes, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah.
1: And you're just trying to test and see what you're even good at, you know, and you're yeah. trying to see like what's out there, learn as much as possible. I totally get that. Yeah. I, I'm just talking with actually a client I worked with over 10 years ago, they came back to me to do a website and talk to them yesterday. And the, my first project with them was doing interior design for a stage at their church. And it was like the most random oh, wow. thing. Like, I just did that back then at knapsack because I was like, all right, we're going to do some design stuff. So I'll help you pick out your carpet and order it for (laughs) you, I guess, you know? And now it's like, we're hyper focused on just building Squarespace websites in a day, you know, it's like totally different, but it's just funny when you first start, you're just like, you know what? I need to learn a lot and I want to offer value. So you just kind of take on what you can. So you were doing mommy blog stuff. You were doing writing for this other friend that was a marketing agency. And This
2: marketing agency was like, um, the marketing agency's main client was like a big home and commercial services Mm. here in Austin. Gotcha. And so I did a lot of writing about like (laughs) bed bugs and taking (laughs) care of your pool and like all kinds of things that, you know, you need to manage around the house. And then I started, you know, when you have one of those thoughts where you're like, why didn't I think of this before? I went to some event at an incubator here in Austin and I was like, Oh my god, I could just write for SaaS companies. Like my whole background is SaaS. Why am I not talking to SaaS companies? Yeah, yeah,
1: right, right. Um,
2: so that's that's kind of how that started. Was like this is my background and then you realize that SaaS is everything. There's yeah. SaaS in every industry. And so even with that, it was like there was a period of like 6 months or a year where I would take on customers and I'd be like, "Oh my god, I am learning an entire new lexicon and jargon and right. everything with each customer." So it needs to be Something within SaAS. and that's how the the accounting focus came to be
1: cool. So it's like financial tech. I think it's you you specifically focus on financial tech companies now, right? Is that correct or is yeah, it but than, even
2: like Fintech is too big. too big <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're fintech like, no is more specific. so many things interesting. and I think a lot of people who are experts in fintech or, you know, right. pay a lot of attention to it. I don't know that they even consider accounting tech to be fintech interesting Fintech is like, payments and open banking and crypto and nfts Hmm. and all of these like new type of instruments or new ways of engaging in technology using finance okay but um i think accounting is mostly based on older models like SaaS or subscription software um you know I've, i've heard of one company recently that's their software is based on helping people do accounting for crypto so that might sort of bridge the gap, but I think it's kind of its own thing.
1: Got it. So what's an example of like a type of company you might work with now and the types of things you help them solve or the types of problems they might have and like what you do to help them?
2: Yeah, I think it it depends on like what stage they're at. That really has a lot to do with it. Um, so the interesting thing that I'm seeing now is is there's so many niches within accounting. So... Recently, I've talked to people who have accounting software that's targeted specifically at founders. So founders have specific financial needs about like the data that they need from accounting to show to investors, to show to their board, and it's not stuff that you can get out of like a NetSuite or a Sage or a Zero. So they end up having to go back to this uh, accountant and say, "Can you pull all this stuff out and do it in a spreadsheet?" And it's a pain in the butt. Mm,
1: gotcha. So
2: that's that's one area. Um, accounting software for e-commerce for people who sell things online. They have different kinds of regulations and different needs. So it's like accounting for different groups, um, accounting software that's specifically for accounting practices. So it depends on like what what specific industry niche they fall into. Um, But then I think it also depends on what phase you're at. So um, if you start from like really early stage companies, let's say you've built a product, you've got a little bit of funding, you have some staff and you have a website that gives you like a really vague idea of what you do. And you're thinking, we've got to get started on creating content like right now. We need to have done it yesterday because nobody knows who we are. Um, We need our voice out there in the marketplace. Um, So that's, that's one phase of company. That's really, really early stage. Then I would say the other end of it is a larger company that's maybe been through several rounds of funding. They, they've got a marketing staff internally. They've already built out a content strategy, but they have a new product. So they're selling something new and their content folks are absolutely overwhelmed by all of the work they have to do, like inbound requests. It's just like rapid fire. Sales needs this content. Product, product marketing needs this content. Engineering needs this content. Whatever it is. right? Um, so I think in those types of roles, it's really difficult to step back and do a strategy exercise. Hmm. Um, so there's there's those two sort of ends of the spectrum. Gotcha. And then, then there is kind of a middle ground where you've got a startup that has um, maybe one uh, marketing officer. So maybe they have some marketing leadership and they've just hired one person. They've got some content that they already created, but maybe they've just realized that all that content is targeted. It's not targeted at the right type of company or the right type of persona or whatever. This this new marketing leadership is brought in to do something. Right. And so they need help because they're only one person. Gotcha. Um, so those are the different sort of phases of companies that I work with.
1: That makes sense. That's cool. And what is it? So what does that look like if we t- step back and look at like big picture? I'd love to learn just, uh, just about content strategy, you know, and help, it is really helpful to know kind of what you do and in, in what context that's in and stuff like that. I love to know like what, you know, you hear the term content strategy and as a person in marketing, I I get the general idea, but, you know, what would you say is content strategy? What isn't content strategy? What are some misconceptions about what it is? And like, yeah, what is it? What purpose does content strategy serve for a business? You know, thinking about some like small businesses that might be listening or entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. you know? So what is content strategy? And eventually I'd love to get to like, oh, what are some of the things, you know, as a business owner, can we do practically? If we can't quite yet afford someone to do content strategy for us, But like, what are some key things we could think about? We can get to that in a second, but just in general, what does content strategy look like and what is it?
2: Yeah, I think it, um, it really depends on your needs. So it can be as heavy or as lightweight as you want to make it. But I think like if you think about someone's day to day, it's the difference between sitting down at your desk and having no idea what you're going to do Mm -hmm. and having a plan
1: Gotcha. Um,
2: And that plan can be as big or as small as you want it to be. Um, Something that I recommend to really small startups is to uh, or just small companies in general. So this is a great idea for small businesses as well, is if you're having trouble thinking about what to write, Mm -hmm. start keeping a log like over a couple of weeks. Either every time you get off phone with a customer, Hmm. write some notes about what your conversation was, or maybe you say, I'm going to schedule like 10 or 15 minutes at the end of the day, and then write down your reflections about the conversations that you had. And if you do that over a couple of weeks, you're going to see themes in in your conversations. And those are generally like the questions. Your customers are asking you the same questions. You're giving the same answer. But maybe you have, you know, you're you're you, so you have the answer, but you don't have an asset to give to them or to share broadly that could answer that question for customers. Hmm. Um, So I think it can be something as simple as that, as you sort of learning about yourself and your interactions with your business and writing down a couple of themes so that when it comes time to write something, you're you're thinking about those themes. And I mean, you could even just compare it to all of us who do like goal setting exercises at the end of every year, or the beginning of the next year, where, uh, you know, I do that. I've got like five goals. And every time I get wound up about something or overwhelmed, I go back and look at the goal list and think, is this something that I'm, you know, this thing that I'm expending so much energy on, is this something that is going to contribute to any of these goals on this list? Yes? Okay. Then I keep going. No? Okay. Then we need to figure out how to, how to offload this.
0: All right. We're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, Go to the Fridayhabit.com. There you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, There you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit system that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, Also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at the Fridayhabit.com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday.